Welcome to Oh My Lord, Chicago history you never learned in school. I am joined by Johnny Z, and we are rounding out our series on Ed Burke. How are you today? Good. Waiting Good. to get to it. All right. I heard from a professor with whom we had a class together, and this professor reached out to me and says that he enjoys this podcast and is particularly interested in this series. I imagine it is because he can visualize the workshop of Burke the Musical. Oh, so, <laughs> so I'm going to sprinkle in some extra Hamilton lyrics here. <laughs> then I realized that I'm using my degree in dramaturgy just having this podcast. But right now, I'm researching history and figuring out how to explain it to an actor which is quite literally happening now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I really am trying to explain history to an actor. Okay, there we go. There we go. One of my coworkers has lived his entire life in Ed Burke's ward. And apparently, it he didn't use any of his corruption to enrich his ward. And in fact, there was a performing arts venue that they were trying to re revitalize and Ed Burke had it leveled and now it's just rubble oh wow just straight up urban blight and one could speculate that he was trying to shake down the venue owner but yeah apparently the ward's not in great shape which you would hope yeah but John's oceans rise wards fall we have seen each other through it all and when push comes to shove Ed Burke might level your venue to remind you of his love. Do you know anything about his current legal troubles? Just that it's all, it's a lot of counts of corruption, as I understand it. Is that right? We'll get into the specifics. Yes, there's 14 counts. Not much happens for a few decades, except our man Ed has a penchant for solving problems we didn't even know we had. In 2006, he introduced a ban on restaurants using trans fats, saying, and I quote, if the restaurants won't voluntarily change their policy and adopt a healthy means of preparation, then I think that it's clear that municipal government has the right to step in and legislate. Wow. He didn't do the pate ban, too, did the he? The foie gras? Yeah, he was involved in that. Of course. Okay. <laughs> He, yes. And that got overturned, though. Yes. Mayor, yeah. yeah. Uh, because it was unpopular. In 2010, he proposed a ban on caffeinated beers, which okay. is a thing that's made in it, Chicago. Yeah. All right. I'm going to ask. I'm like, that? I don't know. All right. Uh, in 2013, he took on energy drinks saying, quote, these energy drinks, if they're consumed in large amounts, especially by kids, can have serious health implications. Like Moms for Liberty, he is always thinking about the children. Yes. So don't give your baby 10 Red Bulls. Noted. Noted. He did not propose a ban on coffee because he likes to drink it. <laughs> yeah. we, and we'll get into his hypocrisy about bans a little later. In 2014, he proposed a ban on horse-drawn carriages. 
Well, this is from the Sun-Times. Because they're a nuisance, they are a traffic hazard, it's cruel to the animals, and we should be able to beat New York to the punch, said Burke. Mayor Rahm Emanuel's first response to the possible ban was half-joking. I consider that part of the modernization of our transportation system, said Emanuel. Worth noting, on January 1st, 2021, a ban on horse-drawn carriages took effect. The only part of that I get is cruelty to animals, because I understand that it is not pleasant for them, but a traffic nuisance. I know. And like in each one of these bands, you're like, what was in it for him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Who was he? Well, yeah. Who was he working with that wanted that horse-drawn carriage ban? Yeah. We have the pedicaps now. We do. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I didn't look into it too much. When the ban finally took effect in 2021, Burke is not quoted in any of the articles that I found. I do also want to underscore that through all of this, he is still the finance chair who oversees the city's workers' comp and tax incremental financing money. Mm-hmm. Got it. It's worth noting that after 22 years in office, Mayor Daley steps down, and the heir apparent is one Rahm Emanuel. Mm-hmm. Inspiring this Hamilton spoof music. They say Daly is yielding his power and stepping away. Is that true? I wasn't aware that was something a mayor could do. It's complex. Are you to keep replacing whoever's in charge? If so, who's next? There's no one else in the city who looms quite as large. Rahm Emanuel, I know him. That can't be. That's the little guy who spoke to me. Oh, man. It just works. Capital steps. Yes. Okay. Aside from silly bands, things were quite quiet on the Burke front until May 2nd, 2016, when the cover story on the Chicago Sun-Times read, The Donald and the Democrat, Edward M. Burke, saved Donald Trump $11.7 million on property taxes. Yes, getting to the that almost speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. And this is where it's, have you been following the, at all, the fraud? I know that, that Donald has a lot of cases. Have you been following the New York fraud trial at all? Yes. Mm-hmm. So what Burke would do is he would argue, much like what they're, what's on trial in New York, one of the things, is Burke would argue that Trump International Hotel and Tower had lower value than est- than what was estimated, thus lowering the property taxes out. Yeah. Except for it appears to be legal here in the good old city of Chicago. And one example used is the two lower floors of the building are unfinished retail sp- space. So it's not finished. The building was completed in 2009 for anybody who's not clear. Uh, still over a decade later, not finished. Two things. When buildings are measured, they're measured from the lowest point of entry to the highest architectural feature. So when Trump Tower was completed, 
those two floors counted in the height of the building, and it was the second tallest building in the United States of America. Also, he notoriously doesn't pay his contractors, but right. more importantly, and I heard this from the, the lead architect on the project, the ceilings aren't to code. They're too low for it to be used as retail space. Oh, shit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been in it? In Trump Tower? Yeah. Um, not really. No. Oh, I've been, I went in the parking garage once. Mm. I went to the, the cafe once. That's all. Yeah. Oh, no, maybe I, oh, I, I don't know. I might have back in the, no, I was, I didn't live here when it opened. No, I haven't. I went to the parking garage. He continued to be Trump's lawyer until early 2018. He stepped down because people kept telling him that Trump was a racist. It also lost, remember I mentioned his brother lost his election because of ads association with the Donald. What? So he was on Trump's uh, legal team. For what did he So For the property taxes. You said that, a, okay. Right. He's a property tax appeals lawyer. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. This is just one example of where he is arguing on behalf of clients that their buildings are less valuable in the city than they actually are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which br- brings us to the... 2018 Vienna beef hot dog scandal from a Sun Times article. Mm. This is a story about how hot dogs and money are made, Chicago style. Nine months after all the Ed, Edward M. Burke led a city council in approving a nearly five million tax deal for Vienna beef to buy a vacant factory in Bridgeport in 2013, Burke's law firm law firm got a new client, Vienna Beef. It hired the Alderman's law firm to push for property tax cuts on the factory site. And Burke's firm got results. It got Vienna Beef's property taxes slashed by an average of 70% over the next two years, arguing to Cook County Assessor Joseph Berrios and the Cook County Board of Review that cuts were merited because the factory wasn't operating while renovations were underway. That saved Chicago's biggest hot dog maker a total of $308,460. Okay. Mm -hmm. Helpful. Uh Uh-huh. In September of 2018, Rahm Emanuel announces he's not running for a third term as mayor. Mm Mm-hmm. He, at that point in time, was head-to-head in the polls with multiple-time loser and now Chicago Tribune editorial board listeners not familiar with Chicago elections. It is in February of 2019. And was that the one that he was also running against the head of the teachers' union? No, I... Was that Gary Chico? I don't know. All these names are, they're all, yeah. yeah. But this is why, because in October, we had a guilty verdict on the Laquan McDonald case. Mm -hmm. 
he was a 17-year-old unarmed black boy shot by a white. Mm -hmm. These two things are related. Yep. In November of 2018, the same day Michael Cohen pleaded guilty, the FBI executed a search warrant on some of Burke's offices, including his city hall office. Worth noting that as they rummaged through his stuff, he was having lunch at the Chicago Yacht Club. <laughs> I remember when this happened, because this was fever pitch. Trump associates getting executed search warrants. Michael Cohen pled guilty. And there was speculation that it was related to that. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, here is what the Tribune article said at the time. The focus of the federal investigation remained uncertain. But what is clear, Burke's influence at City Hall and beyond is vast. The City Council Finance Committee, he has chaired for decades, holds great sway over the city's purse strings, controls the city's $100 million per year workers' compensation program, and often decides whether Chicago's most important legislation will move forward for decades. Burke also has held heavy influence on who gets appointed to the judicial bench in Cook County. Wow. That in charge of workman's comps. I, right? I didn't dive into it. There's shady stuff there. There's not a lot of transparency. There have been questions about it for years. Mm -hmm. It seems like an area where, boy, oh, boy, could deals be made. Uh-huh. But, but speculation. Speculation. The Tribune goes on to say, Burke Long has been the most prolific fundraiser among Chicago's 50 aldermen, often accepting contributions from interest affected by legislation before the city council. The 14th Ward Alderman, also has a lucrative business as one of the city's most prominent property tax appeals attorneys, routinely saving some of Chicago's largest business interest millions of dollars on their tax bill, Trump included. Yep. For the sake of brevity, because we have a lot to cover, there's a lot of conflicts of interest that were happening here. It might, yeah. The word, the word influence peddling comes to mind. Also worth noting, the search warrant is executed the same week Judge Ann Burke is sworn into her second term on the Illinois Supreme Court, where she is now the head, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Yep. On January third, twenty nineteen, he is indicted on a single count for shaking down the owners of a Burger King. Okay. There was an owner, they have, it's a large franchise, they wanted to do some work, I believe, in his ward. And they're not from here. They're from Texas, I believe. And he's hinted that they needed to hire him, and they didn't. They thought he was joking, because... It's weird to out-of-towners where that would happen. So he withheld permits. And this is 
from Block Club Chicago. However, the restaurant owners did not hire Clafter and Burke, prompting Burke to tell a staffer in his office, identified as only Ward Employee One, to interfere with the renovation by playing, quote, hardball, unquote, with the restaurant owners. This delay, which started in October 2017 and ended in January 2018, had a, quote, major effect on sales and cash flow, unquote, to the restaurant. The complaint alleges that Burke and his office shut down the renovation by claiming that the restaurant needed a driveway permit. Renovations, although the renovations did not involve the eatery's driveway or drive through window, and the proper permits had been issued in 2012. Also, the Burger King in question is the one associated with where Laquan McDonald was shot. Oh, geez. Not only did Burke make him hire his firm, he forced them to donate $10,000 to Tony Preckwickle's campaign. Really? Wow. It's fascinating. Oh, my God. Yeah. All this is happening. We are. And this people. is just a franchise owner of possibly one Burger King. Maybe. They no, I think, I think it's a very large franchise owner. Okay. of Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, we need those original chicken sandwiches to keep coming. We don't want to mess with Burger King. We don't want to mess with Burger King. That is, though, and this is in the Reason article that I included in a couple weeks ago. If it was a small business, it's like a pay-to-play. Y- yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Like I'm saying, I wanted to start a Burger King. Mm-hmm. I can't hire Ed Burke for my property taxes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, and assumably, it's an established business. They probably already had people for that. Yes, especially if they had a, if they had a, more locations. But even if they didn't, and even if you were, as you're saying, like a one person, and that's your dream to just have that franchise to be, have someone come at you with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I know people who, let's say, their kids are grown and they open like a bunt cake franchise, the Just Bunts or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's like. Their retirement job. We are now 54 days away from the mayoral election. What comes next? You've been freed. Do you know how hard it is to lead? You're on your own. Awesome. Wow. Do you have any clue what happens now? Lake levels rise. Machines fall. Now, Rom, Rom, I'm about to delete that with no reaction. I'm sorry. I was just considering it. I was oh. literally just—I was literally just thinking of the part in the show where that was from. I'm like, right, right. It's almost eerie how much it kind of tax on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rom asked Burke to step down as the finance chair, and he does. Going back to the nanny state and hypocrisy, as many people know. Chicago has the strictest gun laws in the country, for which Burke advocated. When he was indicted, he had to turn over, checking notes, 23 guns. 
23. Does he think they're performing a DNA test? It really is 23 for me, but not for thee. Who, hey, oh, by the way, he still had his security detail up until this time, too. Yeah, I'm fascinated by what... Yeah, I'm fascinated what the story is of why he... Had, had so many guns? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. It's it's a... Yeah, that's a complicated story for another time. That, yeah. Uh, and And... When Rom asked him to step down, was he was lame duck, right? He was near the end of his term. No, he's no. up for re-election. He was up for re-election. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay, got it. Yeah, he was up for re-election uh, in February as well. Okay. Back to the clown bar of mayoral candidates. Four of them have ties to Burke. Mm-hmm. The first one we've mentioned is Tony Preckwinkle. Yeah. She gave the money back, by the way. Oh, she did. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then we have Bill Daly, Mayor Daly's brother. Mm -hmm. Then we have Susanna Mendoza, who got married at his house, and Chico. Gary Chico. Gary Chico. And Susanna Mendoza was she controller for the city, or was she a mayor of? Sorry, I don't need, mean to de derail, but I'm just fascinated by this cast. <laughs> Illinois Comptroller, you're confused me. I'm like, I'm pretty sure she was the Illinois Comptroller. Well, she was. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. my refund check came from her. So this documentary, City So Real, follows this whole period in Chicago politics. And they're doing, I want to say, the Sun-Times, the candidates meet with the Sun-Times editorial board mm -hmm. and they asked Crackwinkle about her ties to Burke and Lori Lightfoot's just sitting there being like, you're lying, you're lying, you're lying. And then they asked, and then finally like a hot potato, Tony Preckles, like, at least I didn't get married at his house. There's an article that I'm going to put in the show links from Chicago magazine called no one wants to be Ed Burke's friend anymore. Now here's an interesting sidebar we're going to take. There's Ed Burke Jr. And he left. So he got a job working as the training and exercise manager for Cook County's Homeland Security and Emergency Management under Preckwinkle. It was a position that paid 100K. And when he was hired, he left the sheriff's department where he was under two investigations because he was repeatedly disrespectful to women and talking about sex acts. Okay. In 2014, in 2014, when this happened, they would fire a person at a company you and I both worked for, for we dubbed Sexual Harassment Friday. He also, at one point in time, referred to himself as the law. <laughs> and it's unclear that he, it got signed off by Human Resources, Preckwinkle, it's unclear Preckwinkle knew this, uh, but at one point in time, when asked to submit proof of doing actual work during a specific period of time, he couldn't do it beyond the fact that he'd filled out a timesheet. I love that you phrased it, doing actual work. <laughs> There's an email like beyond the timesheet, and they're like, Yes. And he's like, Yeah, I can't do that. 
All right. Two weeks before the election, Lori Lightfoot was polling at 7%. And it, folks who don't know, it came off down to a runoff election between her and Preckwinkle. And Lori Lightfoot won. I voted for Lori Lightfoot because I went with the non-machine candidate. Mm-hmm. Now, Bert wins his 2019 re-election bid. And I thought maybe it's because he ran unopposed. But no, he had two candidates running against him. Oh. And then I thought maybe they split the no Burke vote, but he had 54%. Yeah, though, you could also see how people with name recognition, and they might not have even known that he had been indicted by the feds. Oh, because you're, and I don't know who those two other candidates are, were, but they might not have known about the indictments and also just, oh, yeah, he's the dude who's been, I'm doing okay. He's the dude who's been keeping it together. I'll go for him. Yeah. In May of 2019, the DOJ files a superseding indictment with 14 more counts. Burke is charged as follows. One count of racketeering, two counts of federal program bribery, two counts of attempted attempted extortion, one count of conspiracy to commit extortion, and eight counts of using interstate commerce to facilitate an unlawful activity. So can, is it fair to say they all are like extortion slash bribery charges? They're all yep. in that. Yeah. They're all in that. That bucket. That bucket. So another alderman, Danny Solis, he got in trouble with the. Remember in episode one, when I talked about Googling massage parlors and noted that it wasn't the first thing that came up as it related to Ed Burke? Nope. I'm just going to read the Chicago Sun-Times headline from January 29th, 19, or 2019. Viagra, sex acts, use of a luxury farm, fads detail investigation of Ald Solis. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Now, was that a headline or was that a show at the factory? (laughs) A cool headline. (laughs) Or we've got this one from September 16th, 2019. Political operative accused of plying Solis with Viagra, arranging massage parlor trips is slapped with 25K fine for unregistered lobbying. Don't use the term slapped in that headline. He was bribed with with Viagra. (laughs) That's probably expensive. Insurance notoriously covers it. But it's awkward to talk to your Blue Cross rep about it. (laughs) Make Alderman Manic grifting great again. Yeah. Solis, former chair of the zoning committee, got soft and became a snitch. <laughs> Again, terminology, but I'll let it go. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> it's hard to fathom. Yes. 
getting soft is hard to fathom. <laughs> I, I couldn't resist. The feds call this one of the most significant operations in decades. Oh. So he wore a wire. Okay. He also wore a wire with Mike Madigan, who has a trial coming up next year. And they were also wiretapping Burke's cell phone. So in all, there are, they call them tapes, but we'll just go with tapes for lack of a better word. In all, there are 147. This was the longest wiretapping investigation. I read in U.S. history, which seems extra for Chicago Alder, but as we know, the FBI is a dog with a bone, and they found another corrupt Alder in search of a boner. <laughs> you went right there. You went right there. <laughs> and sorry, all okay. of, uh, all of those a hundred and whatever tapes are they of all different transactions? We'll get to that. Okay. Bert, in addition to trying to shake down the Burger King guy, he was extorting or bribing the developers of Chicago's former main post office, which is a building that has its own storied history. When it was completed in the 1930s, it was the largest post office in the world. And it sat empty for years. It was bought by this eccentric British guy didn't do anything with it and then a company called 601W out of New York purchased it but because it's so large that's a lot of property tax dollars right this was the alder for the ward where the post office is is it the what neighborhood is it in West Loop okay yeah it's the one that the the Congress becomes the Eisenhower and goes through the post office. It's a lovely building, by the way. I'm going to read you some excerpts from the indictment itself. On or about October 6, 2017, Alderman A, that's Lise, advised Burke that Company A was seeking the city of Chicago's support for TIF funds relating to the post office project. As of that date, Burke's law firm had still not been retained by Company A, and Burke questioned why Alderman A would want to assist individual A-1 with a request for TIF funds. On or about October 17, 2017, at Alderman A's request, individual A-1 and others met with Burke and Alderman A at Alderman A's office in City Hall to discuss the progress of the post office project. As of that date, Company A still had not retained Burke's law firm, Klafner and Burke. One of the members of individual A1's group explained to Burke why the post office needed TIF funding. After individual A and his group left the meeting and Burke and Alderman A were alone, Burke expressed anger that his law firm had not been hired by Company A by telling Alderman A that Burke was not, quote, fond of the way they've conducted themselves up until this point, and as far as I'm concerned, they can go fuck themselves. 
Alderman A told Burke that Alderman A had told individual A-1 that Company A's request for TIF funding would go before Burke's committee, the Committee of Finance, for approval. Burke responded, good luck getting it on the agenda. I feel like this is, that is the most complicated part that we've come across so far. But basically, it's about him, the TIF funds for the post office, and he's not, Burke's not even going to let it get into, be heard, right? Right. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm reading, it is complicated. And I'm reading it directly because it just speaks to yeah. how convoluted it is. Mm-hmm. So on or about January 18th, 2018, Alderman A asked Burke if Burke would support Company A, Company A's request for a Class L designation, which Burke stated had a value of approximately $100 million to Company A. Burke confirmed that he decided what went on the agenda of the Committee on Finance and once again complained that he had still not been hired by individual A1 to perform tax work, but noted being hired would, quote-unquote, help. Burke told Alderman A that he did not care about, quote-unquote, these guys and would do as Alderman A wished with respect to financing for the post office project. And then they talk. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. The indictment's 56 pages long. There's a lot of recorded conversations about incremental financing. On or about September 20. You just want to say? No, go ahead. Okay. On or about September 20, 2018, the city council met and voted to pass the post office TIF proposal. Burke made the motion to pass the post office TIF proposal and voted in favor of the proposal. Burke did not publicly disclose his repeated efforts to obtain work for his private firm, Klaffner and Burke, nor did Burke disclose 
that his firm had entered into a contingent fee agreement with company A's affiliate several weeks prior to the vote. So he's basically a different person in the meetings than he is on the side. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not telling people, he's not disclosing that he's getting this business. He's giving tax incremental financing to who he thinks deserves it. And who he thinks deserves it is based on who's willing to scratch his back. I do want to go back to Trump now. Two questions. Do you? Do you think Burke shook him down? Not like that, right? They probably were like, this is what I need. This is what I need. All right. Neither of these is right. Here we go. Yeah. And also, I wonder if he got paid. Oh, I don't know. Said another way, did Burke out corrupt a man currently on trial? Yeah. Uh, Burke, I have to specify there, tried to extort the Field Museum, which is not as bad as a children's hospital. It does sue the T-Rex. Oh, my God. Even I love The indictment says Burke abused his position as an alderman by threatening to take official action in his capacity as chairman of the Committee on Finance to derail a proposed admissions fee increase sought by Museum One due to the failure of Museum One to respond to his inquiry about an internship at Museum One for individual E-1, who was the child of a personal acquaintance of Burke. Mm. After Burke's threat, individual E-1 was provided with the opportunity to apply for a full-time job at Museum One, an offer which Burke conveyed to individual E-1's mother. The aspire what? For personal personal and historical reasons, after a long career in Chicago, that's disconcerting, but not uncommon. Oh, not at all surprising. It's just mm-hmm. it was the but the aspiring intern in question was the daughter of former alderman Terry Gabinsky, who was also once an aide to, wait for it, Dan Rostenkowski. Hearing the council wars coincided with the Verdoliac 29. Circle of life. Oh my God. I think everyone's getting the picture of what's happening here. Tradition, tradition. I watched the WTTW footage covering this when Burke first when the first indictment came out and everybody knew there was more coming because you don't just get a wiretap for a Burger King. No offense to any Burger King franchise owners out there. (laughs) Yes. Again, original chicken sandwich. Delightful. But, But they pointed out that his lawyer kept saying Ed Burke didn't benefit personally from any of this. Mm hmm. Tony Pratwinkle benefited. Mm-hmm. His law firm benefited. Yes, his firm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The indictment also spells out how he concealed his actions. And it includes he didn't announce his conflict of interest. He used his personal email and he wanted to have Solis make payments via an intermediary. Because we've had some other really just 
standalone great quotes from the indictment that he repeatedly tells Solis he's, quote, a believer in sharing the wealth, end quote. The cash register has not rung yet. Okay. And Burke asked Alderman A, so did we did we did we land the the tuna? Did we land the tuna? Yes, the cash register has not rung yet, which is yes, you are the morning <laughs> barista. Did we land the tuna? You are the North Sea. Lori <laughs> Lightfoot makes this statement. The allegations in this superseding indictment are alarming. The indictment alleges that Alda Burke used his positions and the tools of government to facilitate a criminal enterprise to enrich himself and cheat the residents of the city. No official in the city, elected or appointed, should ever profit from his or her office. Given the serious criminal liability he faces, Alderman Burke can no longer continue to do his job honorably or effectively. It is in the best interest of all that he step aside so that the residents of the ward can be properly represented. I also want to remind everyone that within the last two months was the first time that any sitting alderman was found guilty on an ethics violation. First, first time ever. First time ever, yeah. Then we have this headline from Reason. Chicago alderman dismayed not by corruption, but by one of their own cooperating with the feds. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, we talked about the code of silence. This is just... Here's a, from Reason. The responses to this news from other aldermen in Chicago provides a fascinating look into the mindset of city leaders. They were shocked and horrified that Solis was recording them and seemed much less concerned by the idea that Burke was doing something wrong. Here are some choice quotes from the Chicago Tribune. One longtime colleague of Solis said she might cry about his wearing a wire because, quote, you don't do that, end quote. Another alderman said that in his southwest side ward, quote, if you wear a wire, someone's going to kick your ass. <laughs> Black Caucus Chairman Ald Roderick Sawyer, six, said he wouldn't wear a wire against fellow council members. Sawyer said the situation would cause distrust with aldermen thinking twice when dealing with their colleagues. Quote, you would like to think someone would just take their punishment like they should take their punishment and not try to spread it to other people. It could be entrapment. It could be ensnaring somebody in something they would not normally do, Sawyer said. Ald Carrie Austin, 34th, who's been with the council, been on the council with Solis for more than two decades, said she didn't want to talk about Solis, quote, because I might cry. Asked why she might cry, Austin responded, you don't do that. You just don't. <laughs> oh, my God. And I guess people who live in places where aldermen don't have that much power mm -hmm. don't get but in Chicago, they do. And they contact you. My last two or three in Andersonville, like, I'm always getting emails and stuff about the potholes, but then stuff about what's happening on the council and stuff about 
there's possums in the neighborhood. So just the fact that they, that it really is a click, a click in a private club, very insular is fascinating. On the they mob have it's uh, yes and they have these two faces they're interacting with the their ward and so, yes of course we will take care of that restaurant who is dumping their garbage in the alley but in the meantime <laughs> all of this shit and what this tells me is that if you're like listen i'm not afraid that anyone that i'm talking to is wearing a wire because i'm not extorting people it's like when when Trump's if they do this to Trump, people are like they do this to Trump, they can do this to you. It's, no, I don't even have illegal documents in my house. Exactly, and it's just their response to it is just so telling. And I just I wrote mob mentality, and I don't mean the way you some people got swept up on January sixth or large groups of youths coming to downtown. This is, there's an honor among thieves. Yes, it's the latter. Yeah. So, trigger warning. I don't give trigger warnings a lot. We've got some anti-Semitism coming our way. In 2021, we find out, Berg said, quote, you know, as well as I do, Jews are Jews, and they'll deal with Jews to the exclusion of everybody else, unless there's a reason for them to use a Christian. In light of everything going on in the world today, they are trying to get such statements suppressed. Yeah, I imagine they are, and I hope they don't. Yes. His trial is scheduled to start on November 6th, and this has been in the news again. The lawyers are trying to suppress the tapes on the ground of grounds of entrapment. It's not entrapment. He was already he was already doing these things, and so he's just agreed to wear a wire. Now, at the end of September, the defense filed an eighty-plus page motion asking to suppress any mention of Trump, who quote is despised by a significant percentage of the population, end quote. Oh my God. That's brilliant. Here's a Sun-Times article entitled, Ed Burke once bragged about his work for Trump. Now he doesn't want jurors to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. John Seidel wrote, his lawyers also sought to limit the use of recordings made by former all Danny Solis, and bar a slew of comments by Burke and others that paint Burke in a less than favorable light. Right. And the, the entra because entrapment is like con or tricking someone into doing a crime, right? Was already doing whatever he was doing. They were just recording it. So it's not entrapment. No, it's not entrapment. Yeah. And I'm not an expert in entrapment, but I listened to a podcast called 5-4 about how the Supreme Court sucks. And entrapment is also just deliberately vague, too. Yeah, I'm sure. The article, Seidel, goes on to say, 
For example, in asking Kendall to require prosecutors to expand one clip of a recording for context, Burke attorney Joseph Duffy explained, Burke had assistants who read all of his emails and listened to all of his voicemails while Burke, quote, lives off of a cell phone, end quote. When he calls into the office, it's like rapid fire, Duffy said. While Duffy said prosecutors may argue Burke was, quote, laser focused, end quote, on the schemes alleged in his indictment, the defense attorney said, quote, that really isn't true. Duffy's co-counsel, Chris Gare, argued that broadening some of the conversation clips would, quote, show his mental state, his lack of intent, and his business and his distraction. So here's my thing. I prefer my elected officials without questionable mental state, lack of intention, and distraction. The article goes on to say, Gare also represented former old Patrick Daly Thompson during his trial last year, which ended with Thompson's conviction for cheating on his taxes and lying to regulators. Gare painted a similar portrait of Thompson during that trial as distractive and inattentive to details. I'm not a legal expert. I, I watch Law & Order, and as I mentioned, I listen to legal podcasts. And I'm fairly certain that the crime wasn't the only thing that happened on the call is not a great defense. We also talked about it was our turn to get bagels for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and apparently the legal bills are through the rip too. So I don't know. I would be like, I, I don't want to get you that defense. That said, the jury will not hear the name Trump. It will be edited to be silent. So they'll be talking and then there'll be like a silence. And then, which I think if I was a juror is worse, way worse. Yeah. Which is why I think the prosecution was like, sure. And yeah. I'm sure that there are also other identifiable clues somewhere in there. I didn't even get into how he just kept gerrymandering his district to keep black people out of his ward because they would never vote for him. Mm -hmm. He did try to learn to speak Spanish because his ward is now like 60%. Latinx, yeah. Latinx. Now, he did not seek re-election in 2023. And in April, as we were having an outgoing city council meeting that he wasn't at because he just... He got senioritis and just stopped showing up. Alderman Ray Lopez, him of the little library thing, <laughs> put forth a proposal to make May 15th Alderman Edward M. Burke Day. Couple things. First of all, Chicago Twitter went wild about thinking about shaking down every Burger King in the city. But also worth noting that May 15th was Brandon Johnson's inauguration. Brandon Johnson would be the third black mayor in the city of Chicago and the first male black mayor since Harold Washington. 
The proposal was soon withdrawn at Burke's request. Also, Anne retired from the Supreme Court. My my question is this. How much money has this man cost the taxpayers? How much is city council costing the taxpayers? And how much are they benefiting? Yeah. And and it goes deeper than that. I think of where the TIF money goes to. So did we talk about the Lincoln Yards development? Oh, you did mention it. <laughs> Lincoln Yards got a ton of TIF money. The Chicago Teachers Union was opposed to it because they want, they're like, the TIF money could be spent on schools or anything else. Apparently, they don't have any money, and they went to the Chicago Teachers Union and asked to borrow money from the Teachers Union. Yes, you did. Yes. You yeah. Did. Like, I did all the underserved communities because Ed Burke was in charge of the finance committee and got to say where the money went. Has, and any, has anybody ever brought up an idea to abolish the council? To your not, No, I probably, but when I looked into reform, they actually, at one point in time, made themselves exempt from having to respond to the IG. And when people look at us in Chicago, when we, we elect the likes of Lori Lightfoot or Brandon Johnson, it's because we are so fed up with the Rahm Emanuel's and the Ed Burke's costing the average Chicago more money. And... This is difficult to describe to anybody. It, it, I don't, it, I can't describe. We're just sick of the machine. Yeah, it's, it is hard to get that across outside. Yes. Mm -hmm. it, we're sick of the machine. And I also want to say the people who criticize, and I'm talking about people who don't live in Chicago, the people who criticize Lightfoot or Johnson voters also would have villainized and villainized Burke and Rahm. And what you, just, you mean people who just, the people who are just like, we need a change. We need no, a change, yeah. yeah. All right. And then you get a change, and then they're like, this wouldn't happen if Paul Vallis was, was mayor. And it well, probably no, that's, Yeah, that's everyone everywhere, yeah. Yeah. You're either fighting against the status quo, or you're fighting and against change, or you're just a contrarian. I think it's complicated. I don't think people understand just the depths of corruption and finally feeling like you could beat the machine. Yeah, I feel like, but I do feel like Chicagoans vote with hope every time. I hope so. Except for that one year that Mayor Daly ran unopposed and he said, vote Mayor Daly, because who else are you going to vote for? Yeah. <laughs> I think we do vote with hope. I think we do vote. And I do see things changing. Yes. Burke is gone. Oh, okay. So. How, however, and just to wrap this up, however. Oh, we're not. Okay, yes. Go. Yes. But however, to voting with hope, just. But even if we elect somebody that we think is going to do good, once they get into office, 
the things they have to deal with, these sidelines of corruption and the council and all of this stuff is like it, it, it delays progress. So that's part of the problem too. For example, they're doing their budget meetings, right? Mm-hmm. And budget meetings, apparently they approved in 2023 a helicopter, two new helicopters, and they asked where they were. And the answer was because of the war in Ukraine, there's a helicopter shortage, which I don't know is true, but maybe I don't know. Yeah, but they're dealing with and Brandon Johnson had just given the police officers a raise. Come. But now you get this, we've got active Oath Keepers on our force. That was. And that needs to be, that needs, we also have a brand new police chief. Yeah. And what all of that does, which is related to what we're talking about, is it's just, especially certain neighborhoods have no community trust. Okay, gotcha. Yes, gotcha. Mm-hmm. It just yeah, communities don't trust in the uh, Chicago governance as right. It's completely understandable. Yep. And there's there's a the migrants and all. There's just a lot of stuff happening, and it's like Lori got like Lori didn't see COVID coming. No. Yeah. So it's just complicated. And before you, if you don't live here, before you jump to conclusions, ask someone who does. I I was listening to a podcast after Brandon was elected, and they basically make it sound like Chicago is more dangerous than I read. Oh, always. Out out here, now that I'm... When I'm in Oregon all the time, I get mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not aware of this. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we don't have problems. I'm just saying it's not just to ask someone and instead of assuming that we just voted for the guy who wants to defund the police, because it's far more nuanced than that. Rob Emanuel closed schools, but he closed a lot of schools and he closed a lot of mental health facilities. Mm-hmm. All right. So what comes next? You've been freed. Do you know how hard it is to lead? Lastly, at the start of our most recent city council, we discovered that Chicago does not have an onboarding for new alders. Ed Burke, as the senior most alder, would hand them a binder and show them the ropes. I found an article on Block Club Chicago titled, no wonder so many older people get in trouble. There is no manual for training newly elected folks. They go on to say, under the city budget, older people get funding to hire three full-time aides. Most say that's not enough, straining their ability to provide constituent services and move legislation. One way for older people to get additional staffing, quote, in the old school order of things, Ferguson said, was to go to Alderman Burke because his finance committee had a huge reservoir of positions. But Ferguson said to go to Ed Burke would essentially mean the expectation that you are going to vote as he needs you to vote on something, right? hmm So he's basically, when he was ahead of finance, extorting his own coworkers. 
Remember, we made an arrangement when you needed staff. Remember, I'm your man. Down coat, down, down bones count. Yes. And at the other, can I ask one question? At the other end of the scale, the mayors, I've met three Chicago mayors and worked closely mm-hmm. with family member of one and <laughs> with another one directly. There's not time for them to really deeply manage what is happening on the council, right? They don't have that time or maybe that power. I don't think they have that power. Yeah. I'm not, okay. Yeah, I'm not clear on that, but I, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they have neither the time nor the power to, if they knew there was a problem, get into it. Yeah, yeah Lori was pretty... He was pretty clear in how she felt about Burke, Burke, but he didn't step down. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because when they would do, here's the thing. And I put in the second episode, our third episode, in the show notes, a lot about ethics and that and reform in the city council. And they would vote to make themselves exempt from it. It's like the analogy here, and this is a Michigan analogy, but. The back when the House and the Senate in Michigan were Republicans and they had a Democratic governor, Gretchen Whitmer, they were going to pass legislation that would limit the power of the governor. And Gretchen Whitmer was just, I'm not going to limit my own power. It was a very specific COVID response legislation, but I don't think anyone would sign it. That's why Gardner, who got fined $20,000 last week, is a step in the right direction. But when the only circumstance is you go to jail, which, by the way, going to jail enough for me not to want to do crimes. Meanwhile, Ed Burke is collecting a $96,000 a year pension from the city of Chicago. That's decent. If for no other reason to hope he's convicted, is to save the citizens of Chicago money because, quite frankly, Burke has cost us so much money and dignity. Any thoughts? Yeah, I get it. It's the, yes, the legacy of the financials and of the, and of the corruption. Mm-hmm. Summed. Yep. Anything you want to plug after that? Yes. One thing, if you have time, speaking of Chicago politics, it's not very political, but it's hilarious and raunchy. Go see POTUS at Steppenwolf. I will go look into that. Yes. Excellent. Thank you for joining me. Listeners, tune in next week. In the meantime, subscribe before the tuna lands, leave a five-star review, and burk your friends into listening to this podcast. I'm making Burke a verb, baby. Making it a verb. Oh my God, that was perfect. (laughs) Thank you. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.